Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and I started these conversations because life doesn't give us do-overs. So this is a space where we get a chance to reflect and tell our story again with more grace for ourselves and hopefully make us all better for having listened. This week, I was fortunate to catch up with Julia Scholes, two-time national champion and rising professional beach volleyball player. Julia's message about how her Christian faith has grown through her athletic journey and through her struggle after multiple concussions is one of great resilience. Come listen and find out not just how faith can lead you through difficult times, but help inspire a life of gratitude and freedom that lasts far beyond athletic achievement. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, and that's just so encouraging to hear um, just how you're using your platform to help empower others, so... I'm Thanks. really thankful to be here and, yeah, have a good conversation. Yeah. Well, I'm coming off your second national championship, <laughs> so, I mean, that's an awesome place to start, I guess. Um, you know, I can't even imagine. Like, I never reach these levels in sports, and to watch, I, I love watching just the flow. I was reading your, I read, you know, a couple of the articles, um, the one from Volleyball Magazine in, in May, and you were recounting what it felt like to win that first one um when your coach was just brought you out of the moment you know and um so tell me a little bit about your experience at USC yeah my experience at USC has been nothing short of amazing um I felt welcomed to the Trojan family they don't joke about that there um they truly embody what it means to be a family I felt supported on the court I felt supported off the court Um, my teammates have become like family to me. Um, they've pushed me, they've grown me, they've challenged me. Um, and I'm just so thankful for, uh, just my time there to build those relationships that, um, will, they'll be my friends for the rest of my life. And that's something that's way more important than any national championship, any wins, any losses. It's about who you impact, who you relationally connect with, um, and just how you can grow together. Yeah, absolutely. And in that article, you talked a lot about um, your relationship with your mom. And when you said, you know, you had come from Hawaii, I'm kind of telling your story backwards. But when you come from Hawaii and said, like, I want to be able to call my mom after practice and not have it be at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) This is when I originally was deciding on schools. I was thinking, okay, if I go to the West Coast, it's still a really long plane ride. So what's another few hours on a plane? Um, it's definitely the time zone. That's the, that's the difference for sure. And so, yeah, when I was at Hawaii, I just remember uh, just being out of sync with people who are quote unquote on mainland. Um, so it was hard to kind of, kind of connect, um, in a practical way with each of our schedules. Yeah. Well, um, another thing that struck me was, um, in the volleyball mag article was you weren't just a volleyball player, which not that any of us are just volleyball players, but speaking of multiple sports, um, it said you scored over, over a thousand points in basketball yeah. and were a two-time state champion in the high jump and the long jump. Yeah. And I was like, can I, I'm reading that again. Like that is that whole concept of being born an athlete is what struck me. I'm like, athletes are born yeah. and I've watched you play and I've seen it when you play, but what your body is capable of doing, what you like, it is, it's so fun to watch and it's, it's, it's amazing to see. And the way the world's going now, like we're, t- we're teaching kids like 
you know, kids are specializing so young. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I was like, see where you still can get if you're in your zone, if you're finding your purpose and your passion. And I was wondering, like, in that process, I mean, when you're so, when you're gifted at, at the, all of those sports, like, how did you arrive? And it was at indoor volleyball first. Mm-hmm. But how did you arrive at indoor volleyball over the other sports? Yeah, so growing up, I just love all sports. I did whatever I could. And I think it's important to touch on what you mentioned about a specializing in a specific sport. And I think uh, that's made maybe where some parents go wrong nowadays, because I think it develops your muscular, um, just your different muscle groups and helps with injury prevention um, and just helps you become a well-rounded athlete. And so um, when I was growing up, yeah, like I said, I did every season I could and filled it with a sport. Um, And I think that prevented me from burnout as well. So when I was getting tired of one sport, the next season for a different sport would start like in the few weeks. Um, So it just really uh, just invigorated my love for all of the sports that I did. Um, And then when I was deciding on uh, kind of what next step to take for college, um, I knew that I absolutely loved basketball games but I wasn't the hugest fan of basketball practices. I didn't like running through different plays and just uh, the structure of that. Um, And just uh, the shell kind of of those basketball plays wasn't the most enjoyable for me. And then with volleyball, I love volleyball games, Um, maybe a little less than basketball games, but I absolutely love volleyball practices. And you know, like, practice is how you're going to compete and if you don't love your practice you're not going to master or um, excel at your craft or find mastery Um, and so I kind of decide and plus I was better at volleyball so it definitely opened up more opportunities for me there Um, and then track was just um, I never uh, focused on track as a sport but it just was offered at my high school so I did it in the spring alongside like playing travel volleyball um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It takes me back. Cause that was when, where, where I grew up, the first club volleyball team happened my senior year. And wow. so I got to play one year of club volleyball and nothing. I, it was like the first year I had my driver's license and I'd get out of the pool, get out of swim practice. And it wasn't on my parents. I could go change, get in the car and drive over to volleyball That's practice. Awesome. And I was like, this is so fun. Exactly. And I never had that. I had never had that experience exactly. before. And I remember it being like the time that I felt the most invigorated, the most empowered, like so amazing. Yeah. I would leave track <laughs> practice early to go to volleyball practice. Yeah. And it's true. And and then it becomes a lifestyle. And I'll mm-hmm. say that like at 47, it, it really, it stays with you, you know, mm-hmm. and it like you learn so much about how to treat your body and take care of it and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And it, I just, that's what I love about it sports and having that lifelong and I do think that playing like you said playing multiple sports and mixing it up is the way to go and I we're I think missing that boat a lot with our kids right now Mm -hmm. and even the same concept of like giving a ton of lessons right like Mm -hmm. do do you have a a a thought and this is kind of off the cuff but like breaking the less like having lessons for a certain sport that you're playing do you see a role for that or do you feel like you know you practice you compete and if you have a young kid that 
you know, once you've gone to all these practices and then you're doing lessons on top of that and then you're competing. Oh, like private lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that I was really intentional with my club coach and I would ask him to come in early or on days that we didn't necessarily have practice and so I could work on specific things that I was weak on and I think in um, college you're obviously playing every single day um, besides like the weekends and then competing and lifting on top of that as well Uh, but with club volleyball I think it's like two or three times a week so I think it opens up some more time for you a to play other sports but also to kind of get those extra reps in find your deficiencies um and capitalize on the opportunity you have with whatever resource of coach uh court um parent accessibility to bring you these practices is yeah yeah so um when you left high school you decided to go play at unc right yes indoor Volleyball. Indoor volleyball, yes. And that is where um, you, your first concussions happened? Yes. So I committed to Caroline at a pretty early age. Um, and after watching uh, Misty and Carrie compete in the Olympics, I always had a dream of playing beach volleyball. But from where, where I am, the opportunities are minimal and no one plays beach volleyball. And so I just thought in my mind, oh, beach volleyball and indoor volleyball aren't that different. Like, I'll go play indoor and then try to switch to beach after college, having never played, but just having that um, desire to do so. Um, And so, yeah, I went to Carolina my first year. Um, During my freshman season, um, I got my first concussion. Uh, We were doing this coach-on-one drill, and my coach lightly tossed the ball to a corner, and I could have easily ran that on my feet, but instead, I turned myself towards the ball, launched my body in its direction. Uh, I was parallel to the ground, probably like three-ish, four feet. My face smashed, and then my my feet kind of went over my head, but the smash caused it to bounce up and then back again, and it hit my teeth, my nose, and my forehead, and I kind of blacked out. Um, and then I woke up, and my teammates were surrounding me, and there was blood like streaming down my nose. Um, and then my trainer was trying to get me off the court, and I would remember like streaming in and out of consciousness. And when they'd lift me up, I'd start to pass out. Um, and then after they got me off the court, they brought a wheelchair, put me in the wheelchair, and it felt like they were spinning me in the wheelchair like as fast as they possibly could. The white light was like piercing. Uh, my eardrums felt like they were going to rupture. Um, I was like dry heaving, convulsing, throwing up. I wasn't throwing up at the time, but I had the um, kind of sensation of that. Um, and it was just like the most excruciating pain I'd ever been through um, in those 30 minutes. And then um, the pain kind of like went away afterwards. And then I went to the doctors to kind of obviously assess the injury. But when I was in that, I was like, I have to be dying right now. <laughs> like, this is like the it. worst pain I've ever experienced. So, yeah. And um, then that was my first one. So, how long? Then you went to the doctor. Like yeah. a, I went to the doctor the that day. day. That, like, okay. once my symptoms kind of um, came down a little, like they brought me to a dark room, then they um, carted me to like the, not the ER, but the our team physician, which was like right across the street from where we were practicing. Because UNC, UNC is like medical sure. um, places right over there. Um, and then we told them and they were like, yeah, you definitely have a concussion. Um, so I n- had never 
heard of concussions in terms of like knowing people that were experiencing them in a bad way. So I remember in high school, girls having concussions and they would be out for like a day or two, but not show any symptoms that were visible or seem to act that different. So I thought that they weren't that big of a deal. And so he told me I had a concussion. Um, and then I went through concussion protocol. Um, my symptoms were like kind of annoying, but not painful after the first initial impact. Um, and so they would progressively get better like each day. Um, and then once you're at once you're asymptomatic you begin the return to play protocol which is where you like bike you do some physical activity you do something mental i believe i mean you take your concussion test um and then if you clear those then you like start reintroducing practice and in a uh, half capacity kind of way until you are fully cleared and it's about a two-week i would say process of um, experiencing the symptoms the first seven days and then seven days of return to play. So after I was cleared, I remember like being like, wow, that was way less intense than I anticipated. I thought I was going to be out for way longer. Like concussions don't seem like that big a deal. Um, it's better than having a bad ankle sprain, which would, I would be out for a month for right. So that was my mindset on concussions from that point on. So when you came back after that first one, you pretty much felt fine. Yeah, I remember feeling pressure in my head the first game that I was back. Um, And I also think there were probably underlying things that I wasn't aware of that stemmed from the concussion. Do you know now what some of those underlying things are? Um, at, at the, the time, time, no. But like, now. I just was probably like, oh, I feel like a little off or not like myself. But I just attributed that to circumstances, yeah. kind of stress, stress, exactly. So if what would you say to somebody now if they were coming back on the court? Like, what were some of those things that you felt that maybe they should go? Oh, wait, I might still be impacted. Um, I wouldn't. I honestly still don't know fully because yeah. it is a case-by-case scenario okay. and usually people come back from their first concussion pretty quickly but concussions compound and then if you get a second one that's when it begins to be really okay. potentially severe but some people it's fine as well yeah and that is the thing about concussions yeah. I've watched in the football world even like some heads I mean you don't ever want yeah. people taking that impact but some people can take it in different yeah. ways where it's like it doesn't seem I mean I haven't seen I mean that's or another discussion too because CTE is chronic traumatic encephalopathy yes. and it's repetitive hits to your head that cause the neurodegenerative disease that happens later in life even yes. if you don't get concussions from the onset of mm-hmm. the impact right. yeah so post that first concussion and coming back um playing the game I know then you had concussion multiple concussions after mm-hmm. that so when when did that second one happen yeah so I played um my freshman spring and then over the summer I did some USA stuff um and I really felt like I was on top of my I feel like I reached my peak at the time of indoor and so I just was feeling really confident going into the season and I was really excited for the year ahead um and then at an open gym um, I went to hit a ball and at the last second, the middle blocker's hand pressed over and I hit the ball into the block. It bounced back, hit me in the face. And then my neck kind of snapped back on my way down. 
Um, and then the ball went back over the net and like, we got a point. Out of <laughs> <I love it>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but so I landed and I was pretty dazed and I felt, uh, just a little shaken up, but in my mind I was like, well, I've had a really bad head impact before. So this was nothing compared to that. Like I'm fine. Um, and so I played the rest of practice, um, didn't feel like great, but didn't feel terrible. So, um, I thought it was just like, like I said, just a little shaken up, I would be fine. Um, I told my trainer after practice and she said, okay, just take some ibuprofen to help with the headache and then monitor how you're feeling, um, within the next 24 hours. Uh, so the next day I felt, um, a lot more tired than usual. And so I took like a four or five hour long nap and I, I'm not a napper. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, maybe I'm just exhausted from the week, whatnot. Um, and then the next morning, so this is like 48 hours after the impact, I woke up and I was like projectile vomiting, um, and super light sensitive, noise sensitive, just felt really out of it and weak. And, uh, I was like, something is definitely wrong. So I texted my trainer, um, and she thought it could be a potential indication of a brain bleed because of the sudden increase in symptoms It could have shown something was getting worse. Um, so she came over, brought me to the ER, um, and then I got a CT scan. Um, and thankfully like my brain was completely intact in terms of there was no bleed. Um, but they were, uh, just kind of, uh, monitored me and said, yeah, you do have another concussion. And in my mind I was like, okay, this is not the worst news. Like it takes two weeks to come back from like, or a month out of preseason or maybe like a month and a half out from preseason. Um, I'll be good. Um, and so I went home and the symptoms were kind of after like three days of pretty intense symptoms, it got a lot, um, more manageable and bearable. And so I was not symptom. I continue to have symptoms though, past the time that I should be asymptomatic except from my first one. And so they're like, okay, another week, another week came and went, I was still symptomatic. And then following week came and went. Um, and I was starting to get pretty frustrated. I'm like, I'm supposed to be better by now. Why is this not taking a while? My trainers are trying to be encouraging and not tell me about post-concussion syndrome. Um, and they said that it should clear up soon, but there is a possibility to have prolonged symptoms and that would indicate post-concussion syndrome. So I was like, okay, I'm frustrated because I feel okay physically, but Um, I'm still not able to compete because of the concussion stuff. Mm -hmm. So my stupid self (laughs) knew that we had preseason. Our um, out-of-conference is pretty important in indoor because you want to build up your RPI, or I'm trying to remember what the thing is, but your points for going into postseason tournament um, after season. And we were playing Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, and Minnesota, And so that was a really big weekend for us. So um, I was determined to play in that opening tournament. And so I kind of fibbed my way through concussion protocol, saying I was feeling fine when I was, I was feeling okay, but definitely still symptomatic. Um, And so I got cleared, literally, I, the the first full practice I did was our um, pre- the day before pregame, like run serve and pass type practice, um, in Minnesota. And so I played, I remember, 
um, having a pretty bad headache before the game. And so I took quite a few ibuprofen. And then during the game, um, it, there was no substantial hard hits, but there was like ricochet type hits to my head. So like I blocked a ball, it bounced off, hit me in the head. Uh, one of my teammates passed a ball uh, or like dug the ball and it came off and hit me in the head. Um, and so after that game, I was like, I don't feel the best. Maybe I'm just exhausted. And then that Monday is kind of when everything came to a head. Um, and that was the start of school. And I realized that my eyes could not track um, more than, like, I could read a sentence, but if there was a paragraph, my eyes couldn't um, uh, just follow along. And I was like, something's definitely wrong here. And I knew then that it would be a really long, arduous recovery process. And I kind of came to the terms with, I'm not going to come back this season. Um, and I just need to focus on recovery. Um, and so I, that Thursday, our team was supposed to leave for Puerto Rico. And I really wanted to go because it was an exciting trip. Um, and so I was talking with my doctor and she was like, no, it wouldn't be wise to go because of the pressure of the plane, increase your head pressure and whatnot. Um, but then that Thursday night, um, was probably one of the scariest nights of my life. Um, my sodium levels dropped to 119, but I didn't really know what, um, what was happening at the time they didn't know but um anyways i was projectile vomiting again <laughs> and so i started feeling just ter like terrible and so i got rushed to the er they were doing a bunch of tests i was just like almost like shaking and throwing up um and they were just running a lot of different tests and then they finally found out it was my sodium levels so then they gave me saline and um, monitored my intake and kept me there overnight um, and they never indicated, they never said, oh, this is a direct result of your concussion, but concussions have been proven to affect your pituitary gland, which regulates your sodium levels. And so, I mean, it doesn't take rocket scientists to figure out that yeah. those two things could be connected. Um, so that was like something that was super scary. Um, and then were you on your own when that happened or are your parents close? Like, cause uh, you're, my what, parents, how old were you? You're 20, not, yeah, not even like, 20 at that time. I think I was 20. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My friend actually brought me to the ER, uh, who was close by. So I was so thankful. Yeah. For sure. Like, I don't know, honestly, don't know what would have happened yeah. if someone wasn't there to bring me. Cause I was like, yeah, not able to like, they had to like almost carry me yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. And then my parents came up right after I yeah. was admitted and my teammates, my coaches were there, even though they had to leave at 3am the next morning to go to Puerto Rico. And so I just felt like, yeah, the, the people around me were, were awesome yeah. for sure at the time. But at the same time, everything you want to do is being pulled away from you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. So this is what set me on my quest of faith. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before that, I mean, were these struggles are what brought you to your faith or were you raised so I was raised in the Bible Belt, which is the South, um, and I was exposed to the gospel at an early age. Um, I went to church every Sunday. I think faith in the South is more of uh, just something that's um, culturally like accepted instead of having ownership of your faith. Almost so, like a habit. 
oh yeah almost like a habit a box that you check like yes i'm a christian just like yes i'm a volleyball player yes whatever but now i realize that like you have to either be all in or not in at all you can't have one foot in faith and then one foot in the world like um the bible states that like you can't have like i said you can't have one hand on the plow but looking back on the world um and so yeah during that time i was like put all i i would say like i made my sport an idol i made other elements of my life uh, my god per se um and so when everything was stripped away from me like i had to medically underload in my school i couldn't go to practices um i was in physical mental debilitating pain um yeah i just was like okay if everything's stripped away and then i couldn't even recognize my own personality like because concussions come with depression yeah right? absolutely yeah. yeah so i just didn't recognize i was a shell of the person i once was um and yeah i just i was like okay like if everything is stripped away in your life what a, what is there um and it kind of caused me to seek out um and god says that like if you seek him with all your heart like you will find him um, and so I think at that time I was just in complete desperation, like crying out to God, like, if you're real, like show yourself, like I need to know, um, like that this is not just like, uh, I guess on purpose suffering, uh, cause in Romans eight twenty eight says God causes all things to, to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. And so I hadn't made the decision to like fully surrender my life at that time and I just really felt like I was gripping things in my life so tightly and so when they were taken away it was crushing and defeating um but that's not how God designed us to live like he designed us for him to satisfy our deepest um deepest longings deepest desires and um just be our source of joy and contentment and so when we do place all of our hope and um, joy in other things like of course it's going to be crushing when they're stripped away because you've made them your god um, and so I was yeah just on this quest I guess just to like find out what is the meaning of life and like why are these things happening um, and that point really pushed me um, in that direction so when you're though like obviously you've come such a long way in your faith and at that point you were at this incredibly low kind of almost point of desperation right like mm-hmm. how what were the little things that help you build from that point to where you are today yeah i think um at first i just tried to uh start reading the bible um and like obediently like take actionable steps in finding the truth instead of just passively um like making a god up in my mind that i'm praying to who's not necessarily the god of the bible the one true god yahweh um and so i think that just reading his promises in scripture and then praying through them talking to god and saying like god you say that you provide peace that surpasses understanding and in those dark dark moments like i felt peace that i was inexpress inexpressible so i was like okay like i feel this i know this and i just felt like god kind of leading me in that really dark season um 
but I didn't know where he was leading me. I just was like trusting and kind of following in step with him. And honestly, my testimony of this is a part of my testimony, but I wouldn't say that I, uh, fully surrendered until my second year in Hawaii. Okay. Um, and that's when like, I guess I began just like, okay, God, you're my life, not all that's around me. And, use me for you and your kingdom um and i know that wherever you have me is the best place to be and i trust you that you're a good father um and that you'll provide um and that's what he's done exceedingly and abundantly so so how did um how did that season in your life lead you from north carolina with your second concussion to making that decision to switch to beach and go to hawaii yeah so um over Christmas break, um, there was just a lot of transitional things in my life and like the people in my life. And, um, I felt like I was supposed to leave. Like I felt, um, I returned to the indoor court. Um, I definitely was not fully recovered for sure. Like, I don't think I was fully recovered until I was in like, yeah, like after my first year of Hawaii. Um, and so I returned to the court and I just felt absolute fear. Like I never felt the same on the indoor court. And when I returned, I never played a full practice of six on six indoor volleyball again. Um, and at that time I kind of, uh, explored different, um, well, I got connected with the beach volleyball club team. And so I remember playing a few practices with them and just feeling completely different. Like I felt free. I felt mm-hmm. Like, this is a safer alternative. This element of sand slows the game down substantially. Um, the ball is a little bigger and softer, and tactically the game is played completely differently. So totally. instead of trying to power every single ball like indoor, you're placing it where the opponent's not. You're being a little more strategic, and yes, there's still a power element, but it's way less on the yeah. beach, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so I, I also didn't realize still when I was playing with the beach team, like, how different the sports were because I was still playing like kind of an indoor game, but not understanding what I was doing. So I was like, okay, like this would allow me to continue college athletics. Um, but in a safer way that I could pursue. And then ultimately I wanted to switch to beach after college anyway. So I was like, this is a cool opportunity to start from ground zero and kind of, uh, build, um, this other sport. And so that's why I would say like, I then use beach volleyball as like an idol or as the promised land of once I get over there, everything's going to be okay. And, um, Hawaii is like the grass is always greener on the other side. And so I, yeah, I transferred and the grass was not greener on the other side. Like I felt isolated. I did not have as strong of a faith community when I was out there. Cause AIA kind of took it for granted was, uh, really prominent on our campus. Um, and so I, and I absolutely, like, I hated beach volleyball. Like I was super bad at it. Like it was just to go to practice was like such a mental battle. And I was like, why did I just switch my entire life for something that I hate? I'm a, literally half a world's away from my family. Um, and I knew one person like coming to Hawaii. So I was like, this is just... I just felt really alone and still I was like trying to, I guess, construct my life and figure out those areas without like surrendering, um, everything to God and saying, God, like have your way in my heart. Like 
I just want to do your well for my life and I want you to be my everything and not my sport to be my everything. Um, and so the second year I remember flying back to Hawaii and I was in the middle, um, in the middle flying, uh, in the middle seat of the airplane and I was just like streaming tears because I was like I cannot live this year again like it was really hard um and so I remember I was in my um apartment room and I was like this cannot this cannot go the same way and like I always have claimed that faith has been a big part of my life but it had never been everything Um, And in Matthew, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So I was like, God, like, I'm going to seek you first. Like, I'm going to make that my top priority for this year. I don't care what else happens, but that's going to be my decision because if you're who you say you are, then you're going to show up. Right. And so I didn't trust that before that point. I, but this was honestly like a last resort of like, everything's falling Oh. Well, and you're giving you're giving me the chills for one for like the sixth time, but um, that concept of being an athlete mm-hmm. and knowing like when we decide to do something, and not that other things don't have you know, but sports teaches you like when you've had that mindset for so long, like this is what I'm gonna do, yeah, and you decide to do it, <laughs> it's real, you know, no yeah. matter what you apply it to, and in that moment, like that's that's what comes to me there. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this chat as much as I am. For more inspiring conversations, go to BeBetterWithWendyJones.com. It's like, so you put everything else aside and said, this is first. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Yeah. And so like spiritual warfare is real for sure too. And I felt just like such a resistance towards reading the word. Um, But then when I made that decision, I was like, just regardless of how I feel, I'm going to step out in obedience and I'll read your word every single day. So I read the Bible every single day. I had my quiet time. Like I prayed and, um, at first it felt like a chore, but then it be, I felt God starting to change my heart and it became a joy. It became a desire. Um, and so when that year was unfolding, like I could just see God's hand in so many different ways. And not that my circumstances had changed all that much, but I was beginning to have a love for my sport. Um, I, the people in my life were pointing me back to God. I had a strong, um, small, but really strong faith community who did Bible study with me weekly. I got plugged in with a church, um, and just how much my faith had grown that year. I was like, okay, like it's about you, God. It's about Jesus. It's about what he did for us on the cross. Um, and so that became my mindset. And then but everything else in my life got better too. So like I was doing well in school, like relationships were good. Like I enjoyed where I was living. Um, Your health was better? Yeah, my health was better. I honestly like he's restored my health completely to the point of it being better now than I was before my concussions, which is like praise God. Like I thought in the darkest times of my life that I would just have to be like living the rest of my life, managing my symptoms, but never feeling 100% again. Like that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. But yeah, so praise God for just complete restored health um, and just the perspective and the lens that I view life now is wildly different and it wouldn't have been different if it wasn't for those concussions and it wasn't for God changing my heart and um, just showing me what truly is important. Um, and yeah, 
just the blessings he's put in my life and continues to do. And it's just been such an incredible journey for sure. And I'm still growing. Like it's a daily act of surrender. And it's like God's work is not done until our sanctification is completed, which is when a new heaven and new earth are restored. (laughs) And you are 25 with all of this experience under your belt. Are you 25 yet? I turned 25 on uh, June 14th. Oh, next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, by the time this comes out, you'll be 25. <laughs> and it, thro- it what throws me about that is I look at you and I, like part of this like like generational healing is kind of my North Star. So mm-hmm. I look at the next generation and there's so much of me that still feels like I still relate. Like, yeah. and I look at you and I'm like, I was 25 when I had Lauren. Lauren oh. is 21. Wow. And when I look at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no. Like, no. But <laughs> I was great. I mean, I was I, like, for me, for my life, it worked because, mm-hmm. but it's such the concept of like what we learn and what we're, what we are able to pass on mm-hmm. when we have the confidence and the experience and the faith to step out and really be ourselves and like tell our story. It influences so many people. And I think there's something about faith that I really want to get out there. And I'm very curious as to what you think about this. But I think there's an aspect of society right now that feels like there's this shame, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're human. We all Mm -hmm. make mistakes, right? And I feel like people turn away and go like, I don't want to do that Christian thing because I feel this sense of shame. Like they're telling me I'm doing something wrong. And like, I just feel like that's, that's a really big theme out there right now. Or something that people humanly really feel. Mm -hmm. And I, do you have, do it, does anybody ever come to you and, and with, have you seen that when you're talking to people or you're you're t- giving your testimony and what's your advice on yeah. to someone that's a great question honestly no one has come to me with that but i definitely sense it in society i sense a resistance towards faith um like an almost animosity thinking um cuz we are called to leave the ways of the world and choose Christ. Um, And there's no sugarcoating that. So you can choose the world's way or you can choose Christ's way. But for those who choose Christ's way, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And he came to not save the healthy, but to save the sick. So if you're a sinner, like come with your filthy rags to the Savior who's going to make your... Uh, clean your slate white as snow. Like when God sees you, he sees the sacrifice of his son and nothing that we can do could ever earn that. And nothing that we have done will ever repel his love from us. Um, Honestly, like I'm reading this book called Gentle and Lonely and the sin that we are that are, that's in our lives like causes God's heart to draw out to us even more because it's almost they've made this analogy of having a sick child um, that's in the hospital room and the father uh, is hating the disease for the child because he's like this is my boy I love him so much and this disease is affecting him and hurting him and, and harming him and so he's drawn out to hate the disease but to absolutely love his son with unconditional love so that's how god views us in sin like he's a holy god he's set apart does he love sin no he hates sin but he loves the sinner like he loves you and so i think that anyone feeling shame like that's spiritual warfare that's a lie from the enemy because yeah it's 
there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And who, for those who put their faith and confess him as Lord and Savior, like we are made right with God. We are seated in, he- seated in heavenly places um, with God because of what he's done for us. And um, that's the truth that I hope will will ring true to everyone listening. Because yeah. there's a peace, like you said, the peace that surpasses mm-hmm. all understanding is where that Absolutely. comes in. Yeah. So when you decided from Hawaii... Mm-hmm. Then there was another faith journey. That yes. You, so you left Hawaii. Yeah, this was a totally like another total God thing, which has been so awesome. And because usually in prayers, like it's sometimes a quiet knowing or just um, praying through and feeling that this is the right uh, way to go. Because um, in Proverbs it says that um, man plans their a man makes their plans, but the Lord establishes their steps, right? And so he's given us the ability to make decisions and use our discernment and our wisdom in doing that. But sometimes God is obvious in where he wants us to go or in showing us signs to confirm that um, where we're at is where, or where our decision is where um, he wants us. And so after um, I knew that I was going to finish my undergraduate degree at Hawaii and then still have another year of eligibility. And so I talked to my coaches and I said, hey, like, I don't want to start a grad program here, A, because they didn't have a field that I was interested in with programs. And then B, if I were to stay there, I would have to finish the grad program the following year, but still but not have eligibility left. So I wanted to be on mainland because that's where um I just felt that like I could finish my degree and then I could also pursue professional beach volleyball, which has been uh, such a dream of mine. And so I remember praying about God, like, I want to go wherever you're calling me. And I don't want to go where I think, um, because obviously SC has such a reputation of being excellent on the court, excellent in the classroom. Um, And so I was like, I don't want this to be a fleshly, worldly decision of, oh, I just want to go there because it sounds the best in the world's eyes. Like, I want to go wherever you're calling me. Um, And I was also deciding between LSU, which is also a great school, um, and their coach is yeah, incredible. Russell, yes. Yeah, he yeah. is a, a man of faith and I've leads seen, his yeah. team with those values, with those morals, and just creates such a culture that yeah. is, I would say, God glorifying from an outsider looking in. Yeah, that's what um, I've seen from an outsider looking yeah, in. Yeah, like it's just, it's amazing stuff. It's really amazing. And then his athletes coming out of there are amazing too. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. And so I remember kind of being torn between those two. And logically, I was like, okay, it makes sense to go to LSU because he's a strong Christian man and I'll continue to grow in my faith and be surrounded by girls who have a lot of the same shared values and um, whatnot. And But then I also was drawn to USC and I was like, but I feel my heart kind of pulling me towards SC. Um, but I'm like, is that my heart of like worldly passions in the flesh or is that actually God like calling me to SC? And so I go... God, like if I'm supposed to go to SD, make it abundantly clear, make it apparent. Um, and the next day, literally the next day, I get a text from my first ever beach volleyball contact, which was at Carolina, and her name is Willa Ma. Um, and she 
we kept in touch throughout the year. She's a believer. Um, we went to church a few times at Carolina, um, and we were never like really close, but she always like was a good friend to me. And so she just reached out to me out of the blue and she said, Hey, like, how's it going? Like how's season? And I was like, Oh, season's good. Like how's work? Cause she was, had graduated and she's like, Oh, like work has been really good, but actually like exciting news. Like I'm going to go back to school in the fall. Um, and I go, oh, like, where are you going to go to school? And she goes, USC. And in my mind right there, I was like, okay, even if it's USC, South Carolina, like, I'm still going to USC. Like, that is a sign. (laughs) And Because I was like, in my mind, I was like, no one up and moves from the East Coast to the West Coast. Right. Right? And... I mean, so you thought she's going to the other Yeah, USC. so I was like, she's yeah. going to South Carolina. So I'm like, are you talking USC, South Carolina, or USC, Southern California? And she goes, USC, Southern California. And in my mind, I was like, okay, God, like, I'm going there. Um, and anyways, she's getting her PhD in biokinesiology, and so she was entering at the same exact time. She's my roommate now, along with Haley Harward, um, and she is just been my best one of my best friends that I've ever had in my life and probably will ever have and like she's helped me grow spiritually like just has been such a great roommate in so many ways um and just like to see like God continue to reaffirm like that this was the right decision and like I have no doubt in my mind like this is the path that God has for me and just um and then also like Willa's she's she does her research so we got plugged in with like a good bible-based church during covid and now we've been like pretty involved with our church with our small group uh with our young adults group i did do children's when i have free weekends do the third grade um and just like the importance of service and being plugged in with a body um has has been such a cool um part of being out here uh for sure so that was my so, next step of yes <laughs> yeah and i'm sure dane was really excited when you made that decision because <laughs> yeah. you had anna quite what was that anna or dane dane yeah yeah his first his first head coaching area okay yeah right when he came in is when you started mm-hmm. okay and then you've had just winners yeah <laughs> yeah so um so that like brings us back to where you are. You've had two national championships at USC mm-hmm. um, and where, and then you just graduated, right? So I graduated from the first master's program that I started in the fall and okay. then I started a new one this spring and that doesn't end till next May. Okay. So tell yeah. me, undergraduate degree is in communications. communications. Um entrepreneurship and innovation and then this is communication management okay very good um amazing because something that's been occurring to me a lot in the world lately as we navigate i mean health and wellness and picking up the phone and post-covid and my the thing i've been thinking about and writing about is like there are places where there are literally no people you call and you're like, I have to log in. I have to schedule the appointment online. I go there. I check it on a machine. I'm like, I haven't seen a person, you know, yeah. or, and I keep thinking about like, how do we get these stories out? How do we communicate? Because no matter how far we get in AI and innovation and all this, like the human connection, that's what I love yeah, about communication. Absolutely. Right. And mm-hmm. that concept of being an entrepreneur and learning, like, how do we use all of this technology to spread 
great stories and things that can connect people and help Mm -hmm. people learn and be better, which is my, the slogan of, you know, my, my vision and telling these media based stories, because I think there's something in the way society is so connected now that what's out there needs to be positive Mm -hmm. and not like sugary positive, Mm -hmm. but like grounded in wisdom and strength and resilience to come through these stories. Mm -hmm. And so as I followed your story, like it's really powerful to see how your faith's come through it and how you're using it in the world and to watch you play. I mean, I started with volleyball because it's just a passion. Like I just, I love to watch people do what they love to do, but the story behind it is really always what I'm more about. Yeah. So, um, so I really, trying to think of where I even want to go from here because it wraps up sure, sure. sure. oh yeah Jason yeah, lo- Jason always oh high school volleyball yeah, I gotta love that, that. let's just show a little bit of it I just I saw some stuff let's just say I saw some stuff it's over there you can look over there oh my gosh this is, this is embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> whatever it takes to make you blush uh, I like that inside set and just you scan cross and then you see split and then you just you hammer through the split with a tank. It's so funny. You know, I, I watched this video eight times while you guys were <laughs> chatting. While, sorry, yeah, while, while you guys were doing this and and I was just trying to appreciate like her approach and like the, first of all the pivot foot which allows you to see cross and then scan the courts cross inseam split seam line you know stuff like that. I really, really I, I love it. Look at that. This is before like and this is before you actually knew how to play play right you just you know <laughs> I mean with, it's, res- with respect to your high school career I think this this is this is fantastic um Julia thank you. that's where you started well because honestly but, I but didn't on Wendy. <laughs> I know. well no I, I get it and it's so funny because I went back to Loyola where my son played and he plays at Stanford now and wow. I had watched a whole season of Stanford volleyball this year and then I went back to watch a high school game because his senior season was done it was COVID like that was his senior year so I never got to see like the last high school game and when they were in CIF I went back and watched this past a couple weeks ago or whatever and I was like oh my gosh like each level like the difference and when you're watching it you're like oh my gosh they're so good they work so hard I love watching them and then you go up to the next level and you're like you forget and then you I went back and I'm like the, the difference so when you say you're embarrassed it's like that's where you are at that point point. and then the, my favorite point is is uh usc like the sammy serve at the on the line. Oh, i mean yeah. and i know awesome. that's been watched a million times but i i probably watched it a million times and i was like that serve was sick and like yeah. it was to, like a boomerang of and out. it looked like it was going out yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah so i mean that was so i mean you have all these amazing experiences under your belt and you're gonna have a million more but like your calm and your groundedness and like you know, it's like you can feel it because i'm kind of an energy person too and it's like that's that christian stuff too. yeah that's and, that, that emote <laughs> sorry that's the that you know you know me kind of like that lutheran will know you know you're christians by our love type stuff yeah it shows she's this girl's got angels dude she got yeah. angels like four of them i, I see them right now so um i'm really excited to watch you this season and you're playing with gina urango you said Mm -hmm. and um so how long how long you guys been practicing so i did a few practices with gina i believe in the fall and then we were just talking about like partnerships and then in the spring um while still practicing with sc i would 
practice with her like once a week uh, in the mornings. Okay. And then we kind of decided halfway through season, I was like, yeah, I'd love to play with you. Um, and she's, I mean, we haven't played yet, but yeah. it's been really fun in practice and we just balance each other really well, I would say. And she obviously has so much experience. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, with like sponsorships and I've just looked to her as like a mentor, um, like experiences obviously on yeah because that's a like, whole transition in itself yeah. right off the court going from college mm-hmm. to pro so i mean um so when's the first time we get to see you guys play we're playing this weekend in uh michigan oh in cool yeah, yeah. Do you okay have do i have points do you have draw points uh I don't I I don't have main draw points, but I think I have like a few points. Yeah, from, you gotta like, have some. I, no, I know if I you're play. playing with Gina, you, she she has enough for both of you. Oh, she so has no, a lot no worries. of points. Yeah. yeah, no, because yeah. I bring her no, down for Mc- sure. <laughs> no, Muskegon is an actual qualifier for yes. that too. So, so what? Um, that's qualifying for, for Hermosa. For Hermosa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right yes. on. I can't wait for that weekend. Okay, well, go get them because I want to watch you play in Hermosa. I won't be in Michigan, <laughs> but <laughs> but we met last year in in new orleans yeah. too and i yeah. loved meeting your mom and i've stayed in touch with her on facebook and so the other thing i would say is it's really cool like this generational aspect of storytelling i always love meeting the parents and you know that's my favorite job that i have i mean yeah. there's just nothing better so i see that with you and your mom and that that relationship that you have and it's it's really really cool so i hope i see them in hermosa too. yeah they'll probably be here okay cool well <laughs> they'll um, be in michigan i yeah i love it it's so great um well thank you so much for being here today and i think there are probably way more conversations to come but this was awesome and i yeah. thank you for sharing your story because it's really really powerful so um my question that i usually end with is if there were um one piece of advice that you could give to a younger player today what would that be yeah my piece of advice i would say um in high school i always dreamed of winning a national championship and that was kind of uh just the moment i envisioned bringing me so much fulfillment and happiness um and now i realize that life is so much bigger than any milestone you could achieve and i almost feel um more sorry for people who reach those milestones to realize that they're empty um, and meaningless if um, they're not grounded in something bigger than um, just that the achievement and i would say after winning with sc i now fully realize that like christ and his love and the joy that he brings is so much greater than any fleeting moment of success or trophy or uh, something of that nature but so many people just hold on to that hope of one day accomplishing something um, which is great like I think it's really important to have goals and dreams but knowing that that shouldn't be what's fueling you every single day because if you do like you're gonna wake up one day and realize that it's not what you made it out to be yeah it's powerful yeah enjoy and and people say you know enjoy the journey yeah it's um, all about the journey for sure yeah and then when it's over you're like dang i wish i could go back and still have some more journey left (laughs) yeah yeah well we get to keep going so that's what we're doing so thank you so much for being here today yeah thank you for having me thanks for joining us for the what i meant to say podcast for more real conversations like this one come on over to the be better community at www.bebetterwithwendyjones.com a place for athletes and parents to grow and find meaning behind what we do every day. 
so that we can be strong on our own and better together.